Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with your host, Dr. Fuck, and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley. Kick on back and listen to another exciting episode. It's time for the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast! Hey, it's time for the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, and uh, I am here with... Oh, yeah. What was that? Was that a, a cracking of beer, or was that like a, a cola? No, that was a beer. Oh, it was a beer? You? That beer? Was, wow. Was, yeah, definitely beer. It's my favorite part of the show. Right? Anyway, that's Ian, the beer-cracking alcoholic. I'm here. And I'm Dr. Fuck, who is on the road now. So this is one of the episodes we made specially. Well, actually, we were supposed to do another one, but Ian didn't prepare. So, but I am on the road, and this is being broadcast on August 9th, Sunday, August 9th, which means tonight, my friends. If anybody's listening to the show right now, August 9th, in the Delaware area, come on out, because I'm performing with my band at J.B. McGinnis. That's the name of the club. Last night, we played Atlanta, Georgia at Club 529. But why plug that? It's Sunday. Then uh, on August 12th, anybody in the Virginia area, we're playing Chesapeake, Virginia at the Riff House Club. And you know what's cool about this gig? It's freaking free. Come on. Yeah, it's a free gig. Believe it or not, we're getting paid. I'm not going to brag how much. It's a good amount of money. They're paying us, and yet they're going to make the show free. How cool is the Riff House Pub? Come on. That's hot. Yeah, so... On August 12th, Chesapeake, Virginia. If you're listening to this before the 12th, come on out. It's freaking free. And uh, then the 13th of August, we're playing Washington, D.C. at The Pinch. That's the name of the place, The Pinch. And then we're going to wrap up this little mini East Coast tour in Rhode Island on August 14th, Friday, at the Dusk Providence. So I really hope... All you guys, come on out. If uh, you come up to me and uh, you say you're a listener of the podcast and you're with your girlfriend, I'll do her. I don't care how ugly she is. I'll do her because you're a listener. That's amazing. All right, but now before we get into our review this week, we got some very sad news that just happened. Well, it'll be last week now that you're listening to this on the on the 8th. Uh, we lost what... What I could, what always has been, and I've said it a million times, and I have proof, my all-time favorite wrestler passed away, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Yes. And, uh, oh. man, that you know, I was taking a nap, and I got the call, and it was like, please, let, let me still be dreaming. Because I just saw Roddy Piper like two days ago on, online talking about the whole Hulk Hogan racism thing. And he was protecting Hulk Hogan. And he looked like in good spirits and healthy. And it's such... Man, and just a couple days later, he's dead from, from a heart attack in his sleep. Really sad. Now, if anybody that knows my band, Thrash or Die, we have a song called Fatal Fury. Where the middle of the song, the band stops and I say, Just when they thought they knew the answers, I changed the questions. That's a Roddy Piper line. I took that from Roddy Piper and I put it in the CD. I gave him credit. It's not like I stole it. 
But he was always, and to, to tell you the truth, when I was a little kid, I used to watch Saturday Night Re- uh, Saturday Morning Wrestling with Dusty Rhodes, Kevin Sullivan, Gordon Soley, the announcer, you know, all those, you know, the classic wrestlers of the 70s. Wasn't the biggest wrestling fan, but I watched it because it was just part of my Saturday mornings with the cartoons and wrestling. But it wasn't until I saw Roddy Piper punch Cindy Lauper. That's how I got into wrestling. When he kicked Cindy Lauper's ass, I was like, oh man, I, I like this guy. Because I'm sorry, I never liked Cindy Lauper. I know, Ian, you're an 80s kid, and it's the law, you know, to like that garbage. <laughs> but I just always found her extremely annoying. Uh, Girls Want to Have Fun has the most annoying little solo section ever. Like, what is that? That's crazy sound. It's like, why is this popular? And when. When Roddy Piper knocked her ass out and broke a, a gold album over uh, Captain Lou Albino's head, I knew I, I fell in love right that minute. I go, I love this guy. And Piper's Pit, come on, dude. That's some of the greatest shit ever. I highly recommend the Roddy Piper DVD, uh, Controversy or something like that. It's a, tr- it's a three DVD set. The first DVD is a documentary. The second DVD is like all his famous matches. And the last DVD is all the Piper Pits episode where, man, it's not on that, but I can tell you, if you go on YouTube, if you want to see one of the funniest things ever, you got to look up Roddy Piper interviewing Roddy Piper. It is one of the greatest things ever. They fight with each other, then they compliment each other. It's one of the greatest things you'll ever see. And they live. How can we not bring up they live in the resume of Roddy Piper? The classic you know, movie where I actually have a shirt of They Live where it has Roddy with the gun where it says, I'm all out of bubblegum. I mean, I came here to chew bubblegum and kick ass and I'm all out of bubblegum. I have a shirt like that, which I am taking on the road with me and uh, will perform live with it as a tribute to Roddy Piper. And uh, rest in peace, Roddy. It sucks I never got to meet him. I swear to you, if he would have been at one of these Comic-Con conventions down here, I would have gone just to meet that guy, man, but... Unfortunately, he never did one down here, so I never got to meet the man. But to me, he's always been my all-time favorite wrestler. And I, I'm sure if you scroll around on my Facebook, I, I've mentioned, I know I've mentioned it many times how Roddy's always been my favorite wrestler. What, what did Roddy mean to you? Oh, he meant everything. I mean, he was my childhood hero, my favorite wrestler of all time, and uh, was the quintessential anti-hero. I mean, he was he was a bad guy, but he was so bad that he was good. Yep. You couldn't you couldn't hate on him because he was so good at being bad, and and uh, the way he did the smack talk and everything that that set the precedent for all other wrestlers. I, I mean, you know, shit like The Rock and you know Steve Austin and you know all the other shit that followed. All a huge debt to Roddy Piper, and of course they live. Fuck, I even like. Hell comes to Frogtown, as horrible as that is, but still, it's, it's Roddy Piper. Right. And, man, when I was a teenager, I had the fucking the Hot Rod shirt, and uh, always been my favorite. Somebody I always wanted to meet, never got to, and uh, unfortunately, I never got to see him wrestle live. I wish I could have, but was always my hero and part of my childhood, and man, it really... When I saw, I forget who posted it on the on our Facebook page first, but I saw that Friday and just like, man, it just took the fucking wind out of me. Like, holy fuck, it, it, it's so fucking sad. 
uh, was such a good guy. Uh, married to the same woman for, I think, like, almost 30 or 40 years. Uh, just an amazing dude. And, and amazing. also lived a very hard life, because if you look at his documentary, like, at a young age, he was, like, living in the streets, and somebody yeah. took him in. And, you know, he ended up even going to Japan, and, you know, I think he's from Canada, or he went to Canada. Well, he's from Canada. Dude. Okay, and... Uh, it was just amazing. Did you see the video I made where I just used Roddy Piper footage to the song I'm Insane by Rat? No. Okay, I, I did this video years ago, and YouTube banned it. And I never bothered to, you know, I mean, I, they banned it. But when he died, I go, let me put it on Daily Motion. So it may work there. And it did, so you can see it. If you go on Daily Motion, I guess you put in Roddy Piper, I'm Insane, Rat, all together. You can see, like... I put it up the day he died because I uploaded it and everybody is like, wow, that was amazing. Because it is really, and also I use like, you know, him talking during the music. You know, he says, you know, you don't throw rocks. Don't, you never throw rocks at a guy that holds a machine gun. And, <laughs> and also, um, you know, just when they thought they, uh, they knew the questions, I changed the answers. I changed the questions. But yeah, man. And, and also another thing I forgot to bring up, you know, that whole thing where he, he like hit Cindy Lauper. It got me so into wrestling after that that I became like fanatical when it came to wrestling. But just for the few years, you know, once he left the WWF, I kind of like gave up on it because he was just the man. But I loved, I loved uh, Jake the Snake and Rick Rude, and I even loved Honky Tonk Man as much as as much as everybody hated him. I loved that guy. But um, I, oh, and, I'll, give, I'll give you some Rick Rude. Cut my music. <laughs> yeah, and also the genius and incredible, and he's still with us. Survived cancer, Bobby the Brain Heenan. I oh, love. My, oh, I love that guy. I love that guy, and he he's very agile. You seen him like when they throw him around the ring and shit. I mean, he, I've seen him flip over the rope and stuff. He and and yeah. he, him and also Jesse the Body Ventura. I love Jesse the Body Ventura because his commentary, like, like, like Macho Man would take like a foreign object out of his trunks and hit somebody over the head, and McMahon was like, "Did you see that?" And Jesse Body was, "I didn't see nothing, McMahon." And then the guy would grab the foreign object and hit Macho Man, Mitch Hoffman, hit Macho Man, and then Jesse was like, "What the? What is that? Disqualify him! That's just pathetic, McMahon." Yeah, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta you love shit dance. like that. Yeah, I love Jesse. Damn good Jesse the Body. I oh, love man. that guy. I love that guy. Oh man, him him and Gorilla Monsoon. Yeah, yeah. Together was awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Right. Yeah, yeah. And Gorilla. Yeah, he would always like goof on Gorilla. <laughs> yeah, he would. <laughs> I just I, love the hell out of him. Bobby the Brain Heenan, uh, you know Jesse the Body and Roddy Piper were my three all-time favorites of the whole wrestling thing. But I loved Macho Man too. I thought he was hilarious. Oh yeah! And those little interviews where he bring up the little like cream. He's like, "I'm cream of the crop. Rise, the cream rises to the top." That to <laughs> me was the glorious, the glory days of wrestling, man. Because oh hell yeah! And yeah. I did go, I did go see WrestleMania three, the one that was at the Pontiac Silverdome. But I you saw no, no, I saw it down here at a at a pay per view event at the Guzman Center, which was a huge place as well that held wow. thousands of people. But I paid to go see it. Where it was uh, uh, Roddy Piper versus Adrian Adonis. That's right, and that's where he cut his hair. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, Brutus, Brutus Beefcake came out and cut his hair, and that's how he got his nickname, Brutus the Barber. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 Hulk uh, fought uh, Andre. Andre the Giant. You know, it was yeah, a, it was a great Alice one. Co- Alice Cooper came out with Jake the Snake Roberts. That is yeah. right. Alice Cooper came out with Jake the Snake. So you know, it was just fucking. It was great. It was a really. I mean, to me, that was to me the pinnacle of wrestling. I know wrestling's still going on, and there's still a lot of wrestling fanatics. But for me, that era right there was the shit for me. You know, and then I lost touch after that, but. But, you know, I got to thank Roddy Piper, man, for giving me so many great Saturday morning Piper Hell picks. Yeah. So many. I mean, did you ever see the one with the Haitian kid? It was a little it was a little uh, dwarf black guy that he had, you know, he was like with Mr. T. <laughs> like he was friends with Mr. T and then Roddy got him. He goes, ah, you want to be like Mr. T, huh? So they held him down. Cowboy Bob Orton held him down and they gave him a mohawk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that one. <laughs> you see his yeah, little. It was, was it, uh. Was it Jimmy Snooky bust the coconut over? His yes, head? yes, yes. That's probably the greatest Roddy Piper moment ever. That, that, and 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 also the time he had this scab. Uh, I interviewed a scab, asking him why he kept losing and why he was such a pathetic loser. And then the guy goes, "I don't care what you say. You don't talk to me that way." And then then Roddy's like, "Oh, I'm sorry." Huh? And then he like sucker, he sucker punches him and he kicks his ass and he throws him out. And that's where he came up with the famous line. After he kicked the guy's ass and threw him off Piper's pit, he goes up to the uh, the camera and he goes, "Just when he thought he knew the answers, I changed the questions." God rest in peace, Roddy. He was the best man. Yes, I yes, love him. Yes, Rick. Raise a beer and crack it to Roddy Piper. Hell I'm gonna yeah. do that right now. Fuck yeah for Roddy, man. And you, Roddy. and uh, I have a little thumb wrestler. The only thumb wrestler I ever bought was a Roddy Piper one. And the Are- only the only DVD I own that's wrestling based is the that Roddy Piper compilation. Well, our condolences to his his wife and his children and yeah. uh, and all of his fans. And, and it sucks, man. Rick uh, Rick Flair just came out and said. The world will never be as rowdy without Piper, man. That's true. That's true. So, yeah, that's our tribute to Roddy Piper, and I think it was a damn good one. Uh, and, uh, you know, just thank you, Roddy. I mean, you were, you were the best, man. For me, you were the best. You were so animated. And I got to add, he was a damn good actor. I thought in They Live, he did the fucking job perfectly. Oh, yeah, he played the part. I mean, it was tailor-made for him, but he delivered it. Perfectly. Yeah, yeah. Nobody else could have done what he did. It was just classic line after classic line. Once he put on the glasses, it was just... But you, you're real fucking ugly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You, I like. You are okay. But you, fucking ugly. <laughs> Daddy don't like tattletales. <laughs> yeah, and hats off to him and the great John Carpenter. I love They Live. Yeah, Plus. which by the way, they re-released it on Blu-ray, which I highly recommend because I need the, to get that. The com the commentary yet. is Roddy with, with uh, Carpenter. Oh, I gotta hear. Yeah, that. yeah, and it's a great commentary. Like it's classic Roddy talking through the whole thing, you know. Anyway, so uh, what is it? I forgot already. What what are we reviewing this week? <laughs> we are finally reviewing one of the greatest bands of the seventies, oh. Aerosmith. That's right. We haven't done an Aerosmith review, have we? We have not. We have not. Well, yeah, it was my idea uh, to do this one because I really feel like this is like their most underrated album. And also, um, it's like one of my favorites. I think it's probably my second favorite album by them. 
uh, right under rocks, and uh, that is a 1979's Night in the Ruts, which uh, my buddies went to go see that show, and when they came back, uh, they came back with a shirt that said, Right in the Nuts. I know a lot of you Aerosmith fans remember that. Uh, this was a weird album, weird transition for Aerosmith, because they were recording the album, then midway through it, they went back on the road, and that's when all hell broke loose, and... A big fight happened backstage with the wives and Joe Perry ended up leaving the band because of that. So they finished the album with a couple guitar players that probably, Ian's in the bathroom now. So he probably knows the name. I know one of them was Jimmy Crespo, the one that ended up filling in for Joe Perry after he left. But there were a couple other guitar players. But as far as my memory serves me correct, Joe Perry did play on, um, no surprise, he played on... Um, Chiquita Cheesecake, um, Coney Island, uh, Whitefish Boy. I don't remember what else, but um, he did play on more, like about half or a little more than half the record. The rest was Jimmy Crespo and other guitar players. Did you get that information, Ian? Um, yes, I, I, as much as I could get. Some's not 100%, but I got as much as I could. Yeah, uh, you, can you name the other guitar players that played on the album besides Jimmy Crespo and Joe Perry? Uh, yes, Richie Supa and uh, Neil Thompson. I believe Richie Supa was the guy who did the solo on Train Kepa Rolling. Am I right? Or was that was that uh oh what's the guy that that, 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 that could have been Dick Wagner? That's what I was about to say. The guy that did a Sweet Pain and Alice yeah. Cooper. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, and uh, it was an album I bought when it first came out. It's probably the yeah, it's the uh, first Aerosmith album I bought that was. Like new, I did own, I owned Toys in the Attic and, and Live Bootleg before I owned this album. But this was the first one I bought where it was a an official release because this is 1979 is a very glorious year for me because it was really the year that I went headlong into hard rock and heavy metal as far as going out and buying records. Or before that, now and then I would get like a a Kansas record, a Kiss record, an ELO record, you know. A sweet record, but you know, 1979 is when I really, really got into rock, and this was the the new Aerosmith album at the time. And to this day, I play it. I play it more than any Aerosmith album. So, uh, what what do you have to say about this, uh, Ian? Uh, I absolutely love this album. I first got it in the, I would say the early 90s, whenever the Box of Fire box set came out. Do you remember that one? Uh, yeah, I never bought that though. Yeah, it was it was awesome. It was a big box and it had like a match as the the handle, and you lifted up, and all the albums. It was all the Columbia at that point because they were on Geffen. Uh, but all of them, if you turned around, it made the Aerosmith logo. And I want to say my first album was probably Permanent Vacation, either that or Done with Mirrors. Uh, I saw them live on the Pump Tour. Uh, only time I've ever seen them. Probably the only time I'll ever see them. Uh, I really love 70s and early 80s Aerosmith. They really just disappoint the fuck out of me all the time now. But there's no denying old Aerosmith. And this one would probably be definitely my top five Aerosmith albums of all time. Uh, and you and me differ a lot on Aerosmith. Uh, my favorite album of all time is, uh, is Get Your Wings. I love that album. That's a great album. It, it features my favorite Aerosmith song. 
And uh, yeah, Seasons of Wither, mine, yeah. mine as well. Uh, second favorite, of course, would be Rocks. Uh, I love Toys in the Attic. I love the first album. Uh, shit, I almost want to say this would be my third favorite then after, uh, well, maybe fourth favorite. I mean, Toys in the Attic is amazing. It's just overplayed. But, you know, the first album's amazing. Uh, draw the line. There's, there's some I like. There's definitely a lot of filler. And out of 80s, I really, you know, it's uh, rocking a hard place done with mirrors to me. And then they really lost me after Perfect Vacation. Even though when I was younger, I liked all that shit, but it hasn't aged well with me at all. Uh, but this is an album I really love. It is very uh, underrated. The reviews on this were absolutely horrible. I don't think there was any good reviews that I found online in this album. But uh, that must mean it's good. <laughs> you know, of course. You know, you know, Rolling Stone, you know, hated it. Uh, a lot of the reviewers back then hated it. Uh, and I just think it's, it's a fucking solid as fuck album. There's no songs that I hate. There's some that I think are okay. Some are definitely better than others, but there's no song I hate. And I think it's a rocky fucking album, especially considering all the turmoil that uh, ensued the band when they were recording this. So I absolutely love it. If you don't know this album or... You know, even if you're a casual Aerosmith fan, I, I suggest everybody use our Amazon link and buy it and uh, check it out because I really don't think uh, you'll be disappointed. No, no. If you like uh, early '70s Aerosmith, this 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 uh, this this album is infected with that type of thing, just like Ian's liver is infected with uh, cirrhosis. True story. But anyway, um, before we get into the album, I also wanted to talk about... Wow, I forgot. <laughs> you believe it? What a brain... What a quick brain fart. That was a quick one. I was about to say something, but now... Oh, I remember now. The, the first time I saw Aerosmith was when they opened for Journey at a baseball stadium. And they had Rick Dufay and Jimmy Crespo. I actually saw the Rock and the Hard Place tour. Um, How was it? It was amazing. They, I mean... Dude, what, the, the two things I remember was uh, uh, Steven Tyler had a funky looking goatee and he looked like a Chinaman. But he, I mean, and he was fucked up. You can tell he's visibly fucked up, but he still delivered vocally, <laughs> though he was stumbling quite a bit. And another thing I remember vividly about that show was Tom Hamilton drinking out of a bottle of Jack Daniels that he kept on top of his bass amp. In between songs, he'd walk over there and just chug that thing and chug it. Put it back up and then play the next song. That's the one thing I do remember about that show. But then the second time I saw him was was it was called the Back in the Saddle tour. Now my, my friend saw that tour. I could be a little hazy because I did see Done with Mirrors after that that the Done with Mirrors tour. But I don't recall if Done with Mirrors was out yet during the no. back. Okay. No. And Black and Blue opened by the way. Um, and uh, that night, I do remember, they played Coney Island uh, Fish, Fish Boy, uh, White Fish Boy. White Fish Boy. They yeah. actually played that song at that show. And that's the only time i ever seen Aerosmith perform anything from Night in the Ruts. They didn't play nothing from Night in the Ruts at that baseball stadium show. But uh, anyway, want to get into the songs? <laughs> One thing I'd like to quote, if anybody hasn't seen it yet... An amazing, great comedy. Ted 2, the one with the talking teddy bear and shit. Uh-huh. <laughs> There's a great line in there where they're debating whether, you know, 
Ted is human or not because he's a teddy bear. And uh, Mark Wahlberg says, you know, you know, what's a fucking human? He goes, he goes, <laughs> what about Steven Tyler? He goes, that's a soccer mom goonie looking monster. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's a great analogy to what he fucking looks like now. Uh, now that he's a country star. Yeah. Oh, did you see this shit the other day? His new country song has gotten over 7 million plays. Yes. And it's disgusting. Have you heard that song? It's so bad. Yeah. It's I, so bad. Well, I, I, I wouldn't say it was, like, horrible, but I, I didn't really like it. But I think, like, Hole My Soul and shit like that's even worse. Well, because to me it sounded like new Aerosmith, but with a fiddle on it, you know, just to make it a little country. It's so bad. It's so bad. Yeah, I mean, come on. But I, so I don't expect anything good from from Steven Tyler, you know. I mean, I, I just feel like that oh, that, he's, sh- he's, that ship has sailed. I don't know, dude. I, I, I get so mad because I haven't given up on him. I think he's got it in him. You just got to get all these leeches and co-writers and everything well, away from him. I'll they just t- put that I- band in a studio by themselves. I'll tell you this. I did see Aerosmith like two times in the past like five years. And I got to say, both shows, they were amazing. And Steven Tyler still has an amazing voice. A true rock star. Uh, yeah, I could do without like the crappy songs they played that night. But they threw out one of the shows. They played fucking Combination. I love that song. And I was like, like, whoa, they're playing combination. And everybody was like, huh, what what are they doing? Like, you know, please play uh, Pink. Oh, oh, I got got to bring this up. This was despicable. I saw them on uh, the Pump Tour. And memory serves me right, they opened up when Train kept the rolling. Well, not not one down here. Down here, they opened up with Young Lust. I, I could be wrong, but... Maybe I'm wrong about opening, but they played Train Get the Rolling, and nobody knew what the fuck it was. And I'm looking around, I'm like, are you fucking serious? But they were new Aerosmith fans. And, you know, everybody was, like, bored to tears, like, oh, what's this song? I'm like, are you fucking crazy? You know, they just want to hear Love in an Elevator. I think think Pump is an amazing album. Uh, You take away the Love in an Elevator, Janie's Got a Gun. I I love that album. Man, Voodoo Medicine Man. That's total Brad Whitford, and it's heavy, and it's... I, I love Young Lust. I love um, F-I-N-E, Monkey on Your Back. Uh, what else is on that album? Um, you know, Don't Get Mad, Get Even. I, I even like The Other Side. I thought that was a... You know, actually... I do, I do like Other Side. You know, I don't know if you ever heard this, but I have this single of The Other Side where it actually has, like, a country version. Where I like the, I actually like the country version more than the... Oh, you, got, you got to hear it. It's really good. I like I it know. even I, more than the album version, but I like the album version. I think Pump is an insanely great album. I hated Done With Mirrors. See, I, I loved it. I liked My Fist, Your Face, Let the Music Do the Talking, and The Hop. That's it. I hate it. Huh? No, I don't like that song. I don't like that song. And uh, what, what else was on there? The Darkness and... I, I just oh I love that I I wanted to like it you know because the every, reason a dog no I don't like that oh. I don't like oh, that oh man we got to do an episode on that yeah I'm down I'm down to do it. it yeah I'm down to do it but and I and and I even hated more permanent vacation I thought that was total garbage I liked the title track and I like, uh, uh, I'm down no, I didn't like I that like I, I just yeah. didn't like that out I'll give it another shot because that's one I kind of gave up quickly on then when Pump yeah. came out. 
Like right off the bat, Young Lust kicks ass. F-I-N-E kicks ass. Fucking um, Monkey on Your Back. Especially my Voodoo Medicine Man is like my favorite tune on there. And they did play that live on that tour. And that's total Brad Whitford. I mean, Brad Whitford's just ripping on that song. And I feel like that album, even though it sold a gazillion um, records, I think it's very um, underrated to the hard-rocking people because they dismiss it because of the the hits on it. But I think it does have a lot of great stuff now. They followed it up with complete garbage. Uh, get a Grip. Get a oh, Grip. That was yeah. really bad. Yeah, really yeah. bad. But let's get back to the good Aerosmith. And All right, here we go. And let's start take with the first track. Yeah, the first track, no surprise, with a Z. Uh, oh my God! And and here is a glowing example why I would put Steven Tyler up there with Bon Scott and Dave Lee Roth as far as a lyricist. And this song, I think, is his greatest lyrics ever. Is uh, on this song like 1971. It's kind of like a biography of Aerosmith. How they struggled, and Clive Davis even mentions, I think Clive Davis, whoever they're managing, mentions them in the song. And then at the end, when he goes real fast, where he goes, Candy Store, Rock and Roll, Corporation, Jelly Roll, play the singles, It Ain't Me, It's Program, Insanity. You ask Cap if BMI can ever make a mountain fly, if Japanese can boil tea, then where the fuck's my royalties? I love that. I love that, man. And I used to freak out back in the day. So I was like, whoa, he said fuck. Which was rare. On uh, it was rare to hear the oh, yeah. F word on albums back then. But that fucking, you know, uh, what is it? Da na na. Uh, situation fetal. Vaccinate your ass with a phonograph needle. God damn, that's awesome. That's cheap. That David Lee Roth would steal that line too. For and and album. Peter Chris. Okay. No way. Peter Chris said did it before. Aerosmith. Oh, that's right. Hooked on rock and roll. Ew. Yeah. Ew. So actually, Ew. Peter Chris was the first one. Well, no, you never know. It might be an old blues line. Right. You know? Yeah, it could be. But, but still, you know, uh, right. out of all three, and I love David Lee Roth, uh, Little Ain't Enough, but I still, I, I, no surprise is the best out of all three. Well, maybe Hooked on Rock and Roll a little better, but <laughs> I just made a funny. But, uh, oh my God, no surprise. And they made a video for this song. I don't know if it's on YouTube, but they did make a video for No Surprise. What do you think yes, of this amazing opening track? Ian? Oh my God. Uh, I got to agree with you. Some of his best lyrics ever about the early days of Aerosmith. And uh, it was probably a lament for the early days because of the turmoil they were in at the time. Uh, he was probably looking back to when shit wasn't as fucked up as a... Uh, was when they recorded this. Uh, Richie Supa plays guitar on this and Joe Perry. And I would assume Brad Whitford. I don't know, but I know Richie Supa and Joe Perry play on this. Uh, and, uh, oh my God, yeah, they did make the video for this. It's my third favorite song on the track, and I agree, one of the greatest Stephen Tyler lyrics ever. Uh, oh actually, Ian, uh, not that, well, we're not really getting off the subject. I don't know if you've heard this. If you haven't, I'm going to about to blow your mind. Okay. Uh, Whitford St. Holmes is back together. I have heard that. Thank you for blowing me. That was awesome. And I can't wait for that. I hope it's awesome. Yeah, they're going to make a new album. Uh, for those that don't know, Brad Whitford and uh, uh, 
Derek, Derek St. Holmes made an album back in 81, was it? Yes. And, yes. and it's an incredible, great album. Yes. yes. Very, very underrated and didn't really do much. And it's amazing oh, yeah. to think they're Rolling back together. Rolling Stone said it sucks, so you know it's oh, good. Oh, it's, dude, that's, that's a really good Ro- Rolling Stone called it one of the worst albums ever. So oh, you know you, know, you run out and get it right now. But uh, so they're back together and they're making a new album. Yeah. And to me, and that's I wanna, amazing. Yeah. I want to thank uh, Chris Sinzak from Decibel Geek because he heard me go on. I think maybe it was my pick of the week one week. Yeah, and he sent me a link because they, they both live in uh, in uh, Nashville. And uh, he's like, oh, you like this? And he sent me the link. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. Because we both agree our favorite guitar player in Aerosmith is Brad Whitford. By far. And, Te- technically oh, by far. and emotionally. I, you know, not to... Here's another thing, not to take anything away from Joe Perry, because technically he's kind of bad, but he's got that attitude and that style that only Joe Perry can do. So I applaud Joe Perry, but to me, man, Brad Whitford is better even with style and and vibe. But since, uh, you know, uh, Brad Whitford looks like Larry from the Three Stooges uh, and Joe Perry's a hunky dude, he's going to get more of a... The attention. Well, I, I, I will say this, you know, a lot of people compare, you know, Jagger and Richards and and Tyler and Perry. But, uh, you know, to me, the unsung heroes in the Rolling Stones has always been Brian Jones, you know, Mick Taylor, Ron Wood, you know, the people who don't get all the attention. But that's the ones who are really the superb guitar players. But, you know, uh, Keith Richards, Joe Perry, they both have that swagger, that look. You know, but, uh, oh, fucking Brad Whitford, by far my favorite. And plus he wrote fucking Nobody's Fault, which is fucking... Yeah, yeah, of course. The, the best Aerosmith songs of all time, the heaviest Aerosmith song of all fucking time. But, uh, dude, uh, getting back to the song, No Surprise, amazing. My third favorite track on the album, absolutely amazing. Then we go into Chiquita which is another one Joe Perry played on. And Neil Thompson, who I have no idea who the fuck Neil Thompson is. but I he, was, he, was, is the... he was one of the twins. Okay. He was one of the Thompson twins. Yeah, right. yeah. Well, hold me now. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I think this is the only song he plays on. They did a video for this. Of course, in the video, it's uh, Jimmy Crespo. But uh, I love this song. My second favorite, my only gripe about the song is the horns even though they're not too bad and Aerosmith has always had horns in their songs which as much as I love saxophone I think Aerosmith just always has too much horns but I still love love Chiquita second favorite on the whole album what do you think Rob? you know how I feel about instruments you blow into can't stand them but this song I think it, it, it does enhance it I don't mind the, the, the trumpets in the song. To me, it enhances. It sounds great. Just like on the other side. I like the, the trumpets on that song, too. Um, yeah, I agree. I don't think Aerosmith really does it ba- does bad when they use the horns. It kind of like fits their those songs that they use horns in. Was, Aerosmith's one of those rare exceptions where I dig horns in their in their music. Um, oh, Chiquita's amazing. Uh, the video's awesome. It was the only video that was on that, uh, I forgot, what was it called? Aerosmith Classics or something? Home video, video Scrapbook. Video Scrapbook, that's right. That had, you know, all the videos. 
but they didn't put no surprise in it. But they did put Chiquita, which is, you know, it's great that they documented that era of Aerosmith. And you can tell they were all fucked up during this era, you know. Probably not Crespo, but the rest of them, they seem pretty burnt in those videos. But I love the song. It's great. And then it goes into what, at the time, was played on the radio. And it was the only song I remember them playing on the radio was Remember Walking in the Sand, which is an old cover, I believe like an old Motown song or something. Uh, the shangri Lots. I think I heard that song in like Goodfellas or one of those gangster movies, like the original version. But um, I adore this song. This is the only song that ended up on the greatest hits from this album. I, I think what sells this song for me is the is the background vocals that ooh yeah I just and of course Steven Tyler his amazing vocals especially at the end when he's screaming his ass off and is it Joe Perry doing the solo I don't think so right he didn't play on this uh, no no Joe Perry does not play on this this uh, there's not a specific on this but I believe it's Jimmy Crespo and Brad Whitford well let me tell you man that's a great solo wouldn't surprise me if it is Whitford. Uh, I love this song. I, it's 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 poppy. It's probably the most radio friendly song on the album. The rest of the album's kind of hard rockish, but uh, I love "Remember Walking in the Sand." It's to me, it's a classic, but vastly ignored now by Aerosmith, as as the rest of the album is. What do you think? Uh, it is the first of three covers on this album, and. Uh, while I like it, I consider it like a, a second-tier Kings and Queens. And, and I'd rather hear Kings and Queens. I like the song. Uh, I, I just don't love it. I like it a lot, but I don't love it. It is a cover of the Shangri-Las. And uh, kind of weird one. Kind of sticks out like a sore thumb, but not necessarily in a bad way. It's just different from everything else. I enjoy it, but uh, not 100% of love. But then it goes in to, oh my God, probably my favorite song on the album. And that would be fucking Cheesecake. Holy fucking shit. Uh, Joe Perry is all over this motherfucker with a tasty slide guitar. Oh my God. Uh, sexy as fuck. And when, when Aaron Smith is firing all cylinders... They do some sexy fucking shit. And, and this song is a perfect example of that. I mean, it just... It, it, it's fucking laying the pipe music. It's amazing. I mean, this, this ain't finger-banging. This is full-blown, balls-deep fucking music. And I absolutely love, love Cheesecake. What do you think? If this song was a blowjob, I would come in 2.3 seconds. <laughs> It's a fucking amazing song. Daddy, do it. Ooh, just Ooh, do it, daddy, daddy, do it. Driving me crazy. And then that when, when the band slows down and Joe does the sliding, it's just so... The vibe is like, hey, you know, this is why we're fucking selling millions. This is why we are one of the greatest American hard rock. Probably right behind uh, Van Halen, wouldn't you say? Second greatest band to ever come out of America. You know, I'm saying... Nah. Hard Rock. I, 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 I'd take Kiss over Aerosmith. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, classic Kiss. Okay. Well, definitely in the top five. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, oh my God, do I love Cheesecake. Yeah, Cheesecake's one of my favorite tunes. Um, yeah, it's it's the deepest cut. I don't. I believe it's never been played live. I do own on DVD a Night in the Rut show, Pro Shot with Jimmy Crespo, which is probably on YouTube. And uh, they didn't play this song, so I don't know if they ever did play this song. And they probably didn't because it's so it, it it's so Joe Perry. Uh, I don't think they ever played a lot. I could be wrong, but. Um, I love it. It's a great way to end side one, then flip it over to side two with uh, Three Mile Smile, correct? Is that the one? Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, which is which appears on the, the live, I believe, Classic Live 1 or 2, whichever one. There's one a of those. Yeah, there's a live version that you can hear on there. I don't really, I, I don't, I, I, it's probably my least favorite. No, no, not really. There's one I probably like a little less than it. It's a good song, but I mean, it's not up to the standards of the rest of uh, the album. God bless you. And uh, hey, I said I said God bless you because I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, that makes one of us. All right, so um, what do you call? uh, So yeah, I mean, three. It's a good song, but it's not great. That's all I have to say about it. What, What do you think? Uh, man, I couldn't disagree more. Uh, this is another one featuring Joe Perry. Uh, amazing. It's, again, dude, it's a sexy fucking song, man. It's got a sexy fucking groove to it. And that's what Aerosmith does best to me. It's just like dirty, sleazy, sexy rock. Like what, you know, Guns N' Roses would base their career on. And I, I mean, they really owe... I, th- I think Guns N' Roses always owes more to Aerosmith than any other band. Uh, because when Guns N' Roses are at their best, they're doing 70s Aerosmith. And uh, much like Aerosmith, uh, Slash gets all the credit, but the real genius is Izzy Stradlin. And and we've already said what we think about Aerosmith, you know, with Brad Whitford being the true star. But this is just a great, groovy, sexy song. And it, it, even the, the title, Three Miles Smile, you just picture a guy so happy he's getting some good pussy. He's got this three-mile smile on his fucking face. And uh, I love, love, love this fucking song. And it has a beautiful segue into the next song, which is the second cover on the album. And that is Reaper-Headed Woman. And whoa, what a great blues jam this is. I absolutely love this. It's so fucking bluesy. And uh, this is Aerosmith showing their roots, you know, showing their influences. It's all on the sleeve. I fucking love Reaper Headed Woman. I think there's a live version of this on one of those uh, classic live one or two. Yes, there is. It's an abbreviated version, though. Those were albums that were put out by the record labels in the early 80s. Uh, the bands had had little input, and it was just to generate money because Aerosmith was in such a bad place, uh, you know, in the early '80s. And, and you know, from this album, I mean, really, from '79 through before you get to fucking walk this way, Aerosmith, you know, was not the the marquee band you know now. I mean, they were kind of a forgotten. They were a dinosaur band. Yeah. And, and the labels were just trying to recoup. But uh, 
Oh my god, this this is bluesiness at its best, and it sounds pure. It doesn't sound like okay. This was trying to do a blues. It just it sounds like it's coming from the heart, and it's an amazing fucking track. I love Reaper Headed Woman. What do you think, Ralph? Uh, for me, it's blues perfection. Uh, he has to drink three fifths of whiskey just to get half as high. That's some damn good weed his chick was smoking. Hell yeah. Uh, what is this? An old blues from an old blues uh, recording? I, 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 I never I heard the original. I, I know it's from Outside Riders, and I want to say it's probably an old blues standard. Yeah. But I couldn't tell you who did it originally. I just know they didn't write it. But uh, Yeah, I noticed it was three people that wrote this song, and, and neither one of them are in the band. Right. But, I, but uh, I'm not sure. It does sound like an old blues uh, standard. It sounds like it was recorded before. Because it is such a great song that it, you know, it'd be like, come on, dude, you, this was this was written by three people for Aerosmith. No, I think the, those were like three old blues dudes or something that right. uh, that recorded this back in the day. I gotta look into that one, but I'm not 100% sure. But I love this fucking song, and I like to also say that it is my brother's favorite Aerosmith song. He loves the hell out of this one too. I never you're, mentioned you're, my brother. <laughs> well, is this your brother that loves Victim of Changes but no longer listens to heavy metal? There you go, that guy, yeah. Well, it's my only yeah. brother. I only got one brother. Oh, uh, okay. But he loves he loves uh, this song, and you know, he likes the Scorpions, too. Uh, but, um, yeah, man, this is uh, an amazing song, which goes into my favorite song on the album, the most hard-rocking, kick-ass killer tune. Uh, bone to Bone, Coney Island, White Fish Boy, which is about condoms washing yes. up on the beach. Yeah. Yes, that, that is a slang on the East Coast for uh, rubbers, the Coney Island Whitefish. Because Coney Island's a place where everybody goes to get laid, and you pull the rubber off, you throw it in the ocean, and then it washes up on the beach. Okay. Uh, ripping song. Like I said earlier, I saw him perform it with Joe Perry on the Back in the Saddle tour. Um, probably, probably my favorite all-time uh, hard-rocking Aerosmith songs, along with uh, Nobody's Fault, I would say. Oh no, Ratchet in the Cellar too. I got to put up there. Those three are just so bombastically killer, and uh, you know, just killer riffs, and uh, I just love it. It's just the whole band is on point, tight. Um, vicious singing from uh, Steven Tyler. It's very, it's a, his vocals are kind of like attacky, and and again, genius lyrics that I can't remember none at the moment. But sixteen, she used to wet his dreams. You know, I I wish I had those lyrics in front of me. I mean, there was some great lines in that song as well. I think like as far as lyric lyrics, Night in the Ruts, Aerosmith, uh, what Steven Tyler was really on 100 percent and i feel he was on pump as well like on fine fine and stuff like that his lyrics were just so good at the time um i love this song favorite track off the album what do you think uh i absolutely love this joe perry did play on this the last track featured joe perry uh he was on five tracks this is the last one uh this was a song that was most played off this album they played it like 144 times, but they haven't played it since 1990. Uh, it is about rubbers, and uh, 
man, it's just a great riff and a great rocker. And it does have amazing lyrics. And here's something I will give you. Uh, after the 70s, I do think Pump has the best uh, Steven Tyler lyrics. You know, he did have some great lyrics on that. But, you know, back in the heyday, this is another example of how on fire Steven Tyler was. I mean, he was the quarter, you know, one of the quintessential shithouse poets along with Bon Scott and David Lee Roth. I mean, they just came up with some shit that you're not going to get the first listen. It's going to take multiple listens to realize the genius of those lyrics. I mean, incredible. Yet it's talking to the common man about pussy, you know, about getting laid. Uh, what more can you say? Bone to bone, Coney Island Whitefish. Great fucking track. And then it leads into, oh my god, my fourth favorite on the album, which is Think About It. And this is a cover of a Yardbirds B-side. And they used to play this uh, at live shows in the early 70s. I absolutely fucking love this. And I, I love that they covered the Yardbirds. I mean, just everything about this song is incredible to me. Uh, I know I watched your uh, review of this album, and you didn't think that highly of this song. I couldn't disagree more. I absolutely love this song, and I think it's a quintessential track on the album. I fucking love Think About It. What you got, Rob? Yeah, to me, it's kind of like the worst song on the album, but I don't know. Maybe I was a little harsh on it in the review, because I don't really think it's a bad song. I mean, I guess comparing it to the rest of the album... I, 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 you, the thing that really bothers me about the song is that intro. I don't like it. I, I love that. I, love I don't that. like it. Jimmy Page co-wrote this song. Yes. With, I don't remember who else. I guess some other Yardbirds band. Uh, it's a good song. It's a decent song, but it is at the bottom of my list as far as songs on this album. Which uh, I'll go to the last song, which the last song kind of like keeping with the tradition of, uh, of rocks. They end it with a ballad, uh, and and Toys in the Attic, you know, a, a piano ballad. I feel like Mia, which is a song about his brand new daughter at the time. Uh, I don't think a lot of thought went into this this song. It kind of like he repeats the he repeats the lyrics over and over, and but the melody of it and the the delivery, it's haunting to me. It's beautiful. It's a song that I think they were really fucked up when they wrote it. They didn't put much effort into it, yet it still was awesome, regardless. Because I really, it doesn't sound like they put that much work like they did on You See Me Crying or Home Tonight, you know? It just seems like, let's just, you see this little Dream On type of piano playing. Let me sing this melody. Hush your body, baby, it's off and blue. You know, he keeps doing it, but it's still awesome. And then when he does that, cha, love it. I love that so much. <sighs> and I know this is something that they just look. Let's just throw this on there. Fuck it. But they ended up throwing something that was awesome. Like you know that old saying, throw it on the wall, see what sticks. This one sticks. And when they threw it, they did it with a limp wrist, but it still stuck to the wall. I think this is a great fucking song that they really didn't try hard on. Which is rare, by the way. Uh, I love this song. Uh, Richie Supa played guitar on this, uh, along with Brad Whitford. 
And I think it's a beautiful ballad about his, his uh, newborn daughter. Um, I, I don't know. I, I really love this song. I, I wouldn't say it's my least. My least favorite would probably be Remember Walking in the Sand. And I still like that song. But I would put this one above that. The only thing is, I don't know if it's if it should have been a closer. I think that if they, this should have been more in the middle. And I would have loved to have seen a hard rocker end it. Maybe even think about it would have been better as a closer. But uh, I really, really dig this song. And, and the best thing I think you said about it was haunting. There is something haunting about it. It's beautiful, yet sad and creepy at the same time. I can't put my finger on it, but there's some maybe it's maybe it's heroin. <laughs> but yeah. there's there's something creepy about this song. It is the only song that's it, it's just attributed to Steven Tyler's solo. Uh, all the other songs that weren't covers were credited to uh, to Tyler and Perry. But uh I really, really fucking dig this song. And, uh, man, it, it is it is to me a great Aerosmith ballad. Uh, Ralph, do you have anything in summary before I close up this album? Uh, yeah. Oh, very important. It fucking rules! There you go. All right. Well, this album was re- released November 1st, 1979. Produced by Aerosmith and Gary Lyons. It reached number 14 on the Billboard charts, going gold in 1980 and eventually platinum in 1994. Originally, it was the production started with Jack Douglas, who uh, I'm not sure. I, I heard in your review you said that the, the record label removed him from the album. Is that true? Uh, yes, that is true. I don't quite remember because when I did the YouTube review, I did a lot of research on it. But I believe, I could be wrong, but wasn't Jack Douglas initially working on it, then he was removed? Y- yes, yes. But I, I didn't know who he was removed by, if you knew anything about that. Uh, if it was by the, by the band or the record label. I used to know, but I don't know anymore. I'm pretty sure it was the record label. All right. Well, here's something you did bring up in your review that I found as well. They... Record half this album, and then uh, they were forced to go out on tour by the record label. I actually mentioned that while you were in the bathroom. Okay, okay. And well, they got yeah. in a fight over spilled milk. By the way, did you know this? Yeah, there was the spilled milk. I, I man, I've got the books and I haven't read them, but uh, yeah, somebody spilled milk all over. One wife spilled milk on the other chicks on the other dude's wife, and that's what broke up. And Joe Perry left. Yeah. Uh, and then they went back into the studio, finished the recordings, uh, because supposedly they were sent on tour because they spent all the money for the production on the album, you know, I'm sure on drugs. Uh, so they had to go back out on tour, came back, finished the record uh, with Jimmy Crespo and, and, you know, and a few others. Uh, and I absolutely love this fucking album. And what a weird time for Aerosmith. I mean... Let, let me ask you, because you were, you know, active during that period. What was it like for Aerosmith? I mean, were they still held in high regard, or was it like a big backlash for being in uh, Sgt. Pepper or anything? Or no, like? no. Aerosmith, I remember at this time there were so many kids at school with the right in the nut shirt, and uh, a lot of people went to go see them. And 
this album, I mean, at least when I was growing up, at that time, people loved. People loved Night in the Ruts. It was a classic back then. But it, I think it, it turned out to be a forgotten classic. Since it didn't have that hit, that Walk This Way, I think our generation of that era that loved Aerosmith moved on to the British, the, you know, the, the, what soon came, the new wave of British heavy metal, Judas Priest, all that, overshadowed it and kind of people forgot about it. So uh, not a lot of people like remember Night in the Ruts or, or, or think about it or put it up in high regard. I mean, especially when you hear people talk about classic Aerosmith, they always leave this album out. I even hear Draw the Line be mentioned more than this. And, wow. and I don't think Draw the Line is that great. It's, it no, does, no, but no. you know, Kings and Queens, Sight for Sore Eyes. I mean, there's some great songs on that album. Yeah, but, but, but as a whole, I believe this is better than Draw the Line. Yeah, but Draw the Line, give it up. I mean, there's a lot of good, I mean, to me, Aerosmith was on a roll all the way up to uh, Rockin' a Hard Place. Even, you know, there's a couple fillers here and there. Not many, mostly on Draw the Line. But, uh, you know, I, I feel like most of their albums of the 70s was perfect. Yeah, Toys in the Attic's a little played out with Sweet Emotion, Walked This Way. But man, Uncle Salty, No More, No More, you know, uh, Round and Round, You See Me Crying. I mean, that's an awesome album, man. You know, Big Ten Inch, uh, the title track. Uh, yeah, it would get your wings. I mean, fuck, man. Like uh, Lord of the Thighs, and you know, God, I love that. Song. You know what song I love a lot is SOS. Oh, that, I love Spaced. Yeah, Spaced is great. Oh man, that's a good headphone uh, smoking pot song for that. Oh hell yeah, that intro oh, yeah. alone. You know, Pandora's Box. The first album is great. I think the first album is awesome. Oh yeah. Make it fucking uh one way street. One way street, yeah. One way street rules. They still they played that on one of the last shows I saw. That was another song they played. I was like, whoa, they're playing one way street. And uh you know and draw the line. But you know, and live bootleg even though I'm not a big fan of hundred percent bootleg uh hundred percent live albums, you can tell that one is one. And it's not bad. It's actually pretty good. I dig I dig live bootleg. Though uh, I don't know if I would put it in my top 10. We'll see. Because we do have a top 10 live album episode coming up soon. Uh, yes. But will it make it? It might. It might not. you got to stay tuned to see. But either way, they end the 70s with what I consider their second greatest album. Oh, I didn't even mention Rocks. Not not one bad song on Rocks. Come on. That song is like flawless. That album is flawless. And most people point at Rocks Uh as the greatest Aerosmith album, and I'm standing right with those people pointing at rocks, because I, I feel like it, it is the pinnacle. And I remember owning that album as a kid, and I thought the inner sleeve was the coolest inner sleeve ever. That painting of the band, it's just yes. so, that drawing of the band is just so cool. I just love it, man. But Aerosmith was fucking awesome. True rock stars, this is a great fucking album. I highly recommend. You see, this is a good thing about Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Because there are people, like recently, there was a couple people that told me they never knew Sabotage. And now they, they worship Paul the Mount King because of our episode. Yes, so I have, I have a feeling those that are not aware of Night in the Ruts are going to have, it's going to do to them what it did to those people that discovered Sabotage. Go back, people. Listen to that album, whether it's streaming, buy it, whatever. Listen to that album. It rocks like a motherfucker. It's awesome. And that's where I end my review on Aerosmith. 
Well, there you go. Now it's time to go into pick of the week. And do you have pick of the week, or do you want me to go first? Yeah, of course you got to go first. I'm not ready. All right. Well, here we go. My pick of the week is the first Anthrax album with John Bush, and I believe the greatest album they did with John Bush, and that is 1993. Yes, 1993's Sound of White Noise. Holy fuck! Is this an incredible, heavy fucking album? Uh, Potter's Field only, Room for One More, Package Rebellion, High Pro Glow, Invisible, Thousand Points of Hate, Black Lodge, uh, whatever the thing is for Sodium Pentothal, Burst, and the incredible album closer, This Is Not an Exit. Produced by Dave Jordan and fucking Anthrax, Sound of White Noise is an incredible, incredible fucking metal album that every metal fan should own. I can't say enough about this album. I think it's absolutely perfect. Sound of White Noise by Anthrax. Ralph, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I did like that album a lot. Um, I'm a big John Bush fan. I don't I, I don't feel it's better than Armored Saint, though. I'm sorry to say. You know, I think Armored Saint was a better band, even better than Sound of White Noise. But you know me, I'm opinionated. So, um, the thing is that, but I do love, I, I, you know, one song I love off that album is very, like, a deep cut is Burst. I always love that song, Burst, and This Is Not An Exit. Oh, I saw I saw that tour twice, and the second time they came around, they played This Is Not An Exit and Package Rebellion, which they didn't do the first time. Um, Pyre's Field, uh, Room For One More, High Pro Glow, Invisible, Sodium Pentothal. Yeah, it's a great album, man. Good, good pick, there, Ian. Um, I'm gonna go with um, not very known band, but they released two albums, and I really don't want to give anything away. But I do have a intense, intense inside scoop that I can't say. All I can say it it may it may have a connection with the band Thrasher Die, but that's as far I cannot go any more than that because I might jinx it and it might not happen. So don't hold what I just said. But they are getting back together. And the name of the band is called Atrophy. Have you ever heard of Atrophy? Oh, yeah. From uh, uh, Arizona. I think so. Yeah, you're right. They are from Arizona. They released two albums. Well, two albums that I'm aware of. Socialized Hate and Violent by Nature. And I do mention Violent by Nature in the song Wake Up, Smell, Thrash, where I mention thrash albums, songs, and bands. But that's not my pick of the week. My pick of the week is their first one, which I liked even more, called Socialized Hate. Atrophy Socialized Hate is to me a masterpiece. Very underrated. Not a lot of people know about Atrophy. And I know some people that listen to this podcast listen because, you know, the singer Thrasher dies on it. Well, here, I'm giving you a, th- <laughs> a thrash pick. Go, you know, if you don't know Atrophy, you are going to love me if you love the thrash because that album is classic as a motherfucker. It's awesome. And let's hope that they do reunite. Because if they do, then, uh, and, and they do it like I think they are, it's going to blow people's minds what's what's about to happen. That are aware of Atrophy and Thrasher Die, by the way. Um, Atrophy, my pick of the week. Socialize hate. Go get it. Nice. Use that Amazon link. All right, now we're going to Fan of the Week. And as the day we're recording this, it happens to be this guy's birthday. And that is Carlos Crypt Drummer. 
from the UK. And uh, he discovered us through Bill Wang. And uh, Bill Wang's pages, uh, Kiss, 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 Hard Rock and Heavy Metal. And the Bill, if you're lucky enough, you're part of the Bill Wang Secret Super Club fucking chopstick, whatever the fuck it's named. But, uh, but uh, he found us through Bill Wang. And we thank you. You started contributing a lot to the page. So, Carlos Crypt Drummer, you are our fan of the week. All right, Carlos. There you go. All right, now we got to get to the plugs that I got to do every week. We want to thank Indie Authority that airs us Saturday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern. Of course, our original home, thatmetalstation.com, which keeps getting bigger and bigger, airs us Sundays at 12 p.m. Eastern and Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern. Uh, depend. Uh, well, if you hear this next week, I think they still have Rockbox 3, a contest where you can win all kinds of medals. So we got to say thank you to Scott Green and ThatMetalStation.com. You also got to check out our very own Mike Tyler has two shows on ThatMetalStation.com, one on Tuesday nights and one on Friday nights. Uh, so check him out. Also, uh, some more friends of our show that are on that metal station, The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. you got to check that out on Fridays. And, of course, our big friends of the fucking show, Decibel Geek Podcast. Check them out. The great Ken Mills of Podkiss, The Kiss Room. you got to check that out. Uh, one I'm a big fan of, History Science Free... Uh, <laughs> Science Theater. History Science Theater, our friends from Canada. Check them out. Go on iTunes. We do have the contest going right now. And a, and a lot of people are leaving reviews. Some of them are starting to show up. But keep trying. We're going to run this one for a little while. But you will win the customized, autographed, personalized copy from Ralph of the Combat EP. So please, man, do all you can to do that. Because who wouldn't fucking want that? Uh, Ian, I got, I got a plug, too. My plug is something I, I never plugged on the show, and I should have. Uh, a long time ago, is Metal Messiah Radio uh, with Jet, uh, the beautiful Jet, who's been a big supporter of me and my band Thrasher Die since the beginning. Uh, I've been, she's interviewed me many times, and uh, she always has me on like, you know, sometimes like this Christmas special show, on Valentine's Day, she'll have me on, like, to give advice, and uh, big plug to my friend, and especially Jet, from Metal Messiah Radio. Nice. All right. And also check out our Amazon link, please. If you want to buy any of the shit we're talking about, use our Amazon link. Doesn't cost you a penny more and really helps out the show. Check out our YouTube page. Wait, 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 Ian. Come on, dude. You, you say go to our Amazon link, but you don't tell them where it is. Well, I was getting it. No, you went into the YouTube thing. Well... I was going to get to it at the end. <laughs> what are you talking about? You got to do it here and the end. What the hell? Hey, go All to right. our Amazon link. Just look for it, wherever the fuck it is. It's All on right, the well, Podbean page. Yeah, our Amazon link. I, well, it surprises me that so many people like, well, how do I get to your Amazon link? All the links that we talk about are on our Podbean page. If you go on the Podbean page and look to the right side of your screen, there's links for the Indie Authority, that metal station, the Amazon link, the Facebook link, uh, the YouTube link, Crash or Die, Combat, all this stuff is on the homepage. If you're on iTunes, there's a link on there. 
go on that. That takes you to the Podbean page where all this stuff can be found. And like I said, any of the albums we talk about, you can get on the Amazon link. doesn't cost you a penny more and helps us out. And while we're speaking about the YouTube page, Ralph, you just put another episode up that got fucked, huh? Yeah, it was a kiss. Was it kiss? I think I it was like, so. It was like the best kiss te- top ten kiss songs. Yeah, it got fucked, huh? Yeah, they. You know, YouTube is uh is banning shows, and now I ran into another problem again. Uh, my YouTube channel, I, there's actually two of them now. Uh, it's not letting me, it's saying that my videos are way too long. So I might have to open a third channel now. Or I gotta talk, or talk to somebody out there. Hey, you know, I'm sure there must be a way I can have my YouTube channel upload all these two-hour episodes instead of making two, three-fourths, you know, like every time like I upload like eight or nine episodes, I can't fit no more on there. I mean, that's not right. I know other channels have way more time than I do. So what's going on? Somebody help, okay? Um, but, yeah, don't worry. I mean, there uh, there are a few. I can tell you another one that was banned was, uh, uh, I, I believe, I could, oh, Queen. The Queen episode's banned. Um, and uh, another future one that's banned is uh, the Ramones. Damn. And Edge of the Century is banned. I can't edit that one. But we do have a lot that is not banned. Uh, coming up in the next few weeks. They're all uploaded, ready to go. I have them all in private. I put them up every Wednesday on our Facebook channel. Uh, I mean, our Facebook page, Rock and Metal Combat Podcast on Facebook. I put it up there. Also on my other channel, uh, Almost Human uh, 56 on the YouTube, uh, I mean, on the Facebook. But yeah, you know, check it out. I mean, I, I put a lot of effort into it. It's, oh. it's a good way to listen to our episode because Visually, you get to see that era of the band. Oh, they, they are amazing. I can't stress enough how amazing those versions are, and I can't stress enough how much time and effort Ralph puts into those. So if it's an episode you love, please check it out. A lot of people are like, I can't find it. It's Rock and Metal Combat, all one word. Or go on the Podbean page and use the link. It'll take you right to did, it. Did you, put, did you put a link to the newer... YouTube page because there's a new one now. Oh well, shit! I don't know nothing about that. Yeah, I gotta do that. Uh, well, I'll have to send it to you. All right, we'll work something out. But uh, we got some time left, man. Let's get into some fucking tunes. I'm all for that, man. Tunes. Let's go. All right, I'm gonna play something. You know, there's a lot of people out there that say, you know, King Diamond. I can't get into his vocals, but the balance, but I love the music, but the vocals ruin it for me. Well, this is a band where they don't really sound like King Diamond, but this song sounds like a King Diamond song, but with, you know, clean singer, with a really good singer. So whoever thinks that way about King Diamond, I'm sure you're going to love this song, because it sounds like a King Diamond song with vocals unlike King Diamond, more straight-ahead vocals. It's a band called Pretty Maids, and uh, this is the title track to one of their albums. I know they have many albums. This was actually on MTV back in the day, so maybe some of you have heard this, but I haven't heard it in many years. So I'm going to like refresh you with how great this song is. This is Pretty Maids with Future World.
that was Pretty Maids with Future World from 1987, I believe. What do you got, Ian? Ooh, I got something way different. And, uh, man, I don't even know if I'm fucking pronouncing the name of this shit right. Uh, I don't know if you know this band, Ralph Satyricon? Or... Yeah, yeah, I know Satyricon. That's right like, on. That's like black metal. Yeah, and it's not really my bag, but I actually heard this song one time on, uh, I believe on Sirius Radio on some metal channel, and I spent like the first 20 seconds just dying laughing at it. And then by the end of the song, I was like, that's the coolest thing I've ever heard. This is Satyricon with The Pentagram Burn.
that right pentagram burns i hope i turned somebody on to that you know because if you're like me that ain't really your bag but uh man i think that's a cool song and uh i actually went back and into their catalog and really enjoyed a lot of their shit so ralph what you got next all right cool i i have a, a band that I actually when we toured we actually did a few shows with this band and they're they they made us honorary shoe brothers and if you want to see this uh it's pretty unique. I don't know if you've seen this, Ian. It's on YouTube. Uh, they had a guy that worked for Kiss on the farewell tour. And the guy ended up stealing one of Paul Stanley's boots. And in order to be a shoe brother, you had to drink out of that boot. And that boot was never washed. Oof. And there's video of me drinking out of that boot. They made us honorary shoe brothers. They're a classic, classic kind of crossover type band. They fucking rule. This is a band called Vermock. And uh, I love the title of this song. It's called You Broke My Heart, So I Broke Your Face. Ticket on stop, ticket on stop, ticket on, ticket on, ticket on stop, ticket on stop, breaking my heart, ticket on, ticket on, ticket on stop.
That was Vermock with, you broke my heart, so I broke your face. What do you got, Ian? Oh, man. Here we go again. Another 180. Uh, this is a band, you know, they're, they're definitely not metal, but they they kind of hard rock for their time, kind of glam rock. The band called The Sweet. And, uh, you know, they're more uh, well-known for... Uh, Ah, shit, what's her more well-known songs? Uh, yeah, Fox little, on the Run. Fox on the Run, Ballroom Blitz, Little right. Willie, Love is Like Oxygen. Huge yes. fan. I'm a huge fan of the suite. All right, well, you may or may not know this. I and... will. I will. I love them. Okay, this is extremely rare. This is on the remaster of their 1974 classic, Desolation Boulevard. And this was the B-side to the song Turn It Down. Now, this it was very, very dirty for its time. The title of the track is Someone Else Will. What they left out is what comes before that, is that if you don't suck it, someone else will. Check it out. If you don't go down on me, someone else will.
Suck it, someone else will. What you got, Ralph? Awesome. You know, uh, keeping with the sweet, I'm going to play a, a thrash band called Heaven. Nice. They, they covered a sweet song, which is like one of their heaviest songs called Set Me Free. You know that song by the sweet? Not, not well, all Jeez. Uh, Vince Neil covered it on Exposed. Um, a lot of bands cover that song. Anyway, I'm not going to play the Heaven version, but I'm going to play something off their first album called Breaking the Silence. Now, I have a song, Thrasher Die has a song called uh, Wake Up and Smell the Thrash where I mention a lot of song titles and, and band names and stuff. And this this song is in the lyric. Uh, it says, uh, Goblin Blade's gonna cut, drain your life liquid in the chalice of blood. Well, that's the song I'm gonna, I'm gonna play. This is Heathen with Goblin's Blade. <laughs>
That was Heathen with Goblin's Blade, 1987, I think. Anyway, Ian, what do you got? All right, it's time we get in some Sabbath on this show. I'm going to the Ronnie James Dio era of the 1981 masterpiece Mob Rules. This is Country Girl. <laughs>
Alright, of course, that was Black Sabbath with Country Girl. One of my personal favorites, man. I love that fucking track. What you got, Ralph? Alright, I got a band uh, kind of obscure. Maybe some of you out there have heard of them. They're called Fifth Angel. And uh, this is off their first album. It's called In the Fallout.
Okay, that was Fifth Angel within the fallout. What do you got, Ian? All right. Here comes that big old cock swinging again. I'm going to 1989 with some L.A. guns. This is never enough. <laughs>
when there was only one LA Guns, that was never enough off of 1989's Cocked and Loaded. What do we got oh, coming up? Awesome. Um, I have a, a band, uh, a lot of people may know this band. They're called Hellstar uh, with Mike Rivera. A lot of people call him the Mexican Dio. Uh, I don't he, I don't think he sounds like Dio, but he is short, so I guess that's why I call him that. Super nice guy. I, I got to play with Hellstar once. Actually, I played with him again. He's, he has a cover band called Sabbath Judas Sabbath, where they play Black Sabbath and uh, Judas Priest covers. Really nice guy, uh, Mike Rivera. And this is uh, off of their album, A Distant Thunder. This is what kicks off the album. This is called The King is Dead. Thank you. 
was Hellstar with The King Is Dead featuring Mike Rivera. Uh, what do you got, Ian? All right, I want to go back to this. is uh, you know, kind of thrash and kind of death metal. This is kind of when both eras came together. Uh, this is off of Massacre's debut album. This is Cryptic Realm. Thank you. 
All right, that was Massacre, man. I love that shit. Terry Butler on bass who's played with just about everything. Whichever way you want to do it. Um, there we go. Ten. One, two. All right, that's enough music for this episode. If you loved this episode, and I know you did, come back next week when our special guest is George Jefferson himself. Sherman Hemsley joins us in the studio by request. He actually contacted me and said, hey, can I be on the show? I'm like, sure, Sherman. Of course you can. He goes, can we talk about Slayer Hella Waits? Oh, man. And I was like, you bet your ass, Mr. Jefferson, we can. Awesome. So ne next week, George Jefferson and Slayer Hella Waits. I can't wait for that episode. It's going to be it's gonna be for real. Next week, Honky, on the Rocket Metal Combat Podcast. Thanks for listening to Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. All rights reserved, Ian Wadley. Any use of this show without express written permission, I will give Terrence Reardon your phone number, bitch. <laughs> I love that.